turn in your Bibles, we'll start in uh, Luke chapter 15. I just want to work uh, down through this chapter a little bit. I've titled this message, What Jesus Sought. And it's not a difficult, uh, it's not a question, I guess, but it's not, not very difficult to figure out what Jesus sought. Uh, when, you th- when you stop and think about it, Jesus' purpose uh, when, while he was on earth was uh, very single-minded. If, if, you, if you look at what the Bible tells us about, about his ministry, we see very little about Jesus stopping to eat or to sleep or where he slept. In fact, he commented that when someone wanted to follow him, that that he didn't have a place to sleep. You're going to come and follow me, but I don't know where I'm sleeping tonight. Uh, that, that was his ministry. His ministry was not about himself, um, not about even his human side, uh, as he was God, yes, but, but human as well. And so, uh, so when we think about what he, what he sought while he was on this earth, well, we know that he sought souls. We sought, he sought people to understand who he was. And, and to be honest, he brought in something that they did not know. He was talking to Jewish people who did not, did not deny a God. They understood that there was a God. In fact, they had the Bible. They had what was the Bible at that time. And they knew who God was, or so they thought. Um, they, they clearly did not know what, he, what God truly wanted from them, uh, even though God had given that to them. Uh, Micah tells us that uh, God wanted more than sacrifice. They didn't understand that. They had never come to that point. So he came to show them that they, he wanted more than sacrifice. The sacrifice was doing them no good. The sacrifice was never going to heal them of the sin that had brought them into the misery that they experienced. And they were trying to do something that was essentially in vain because they hadn't, they hadn't truly sought who he was. And so he came to show them this is who God is. Not, it's, not about, it's not about following this set of rules. It's about seeking God himself in a personal way. Uh, so we'll start with the, uh, we'll, we'll read a couple of different uh, the, the three different sections at three different times, but we'll, we'll start with the first, uh, first uh, eight verses, uh, seven verses. It says, Then drew near unto him, uh, Luke chapter 15, uh, verse number one, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth, eateth with them. Now, this is, this is important to the rest of the entire, of this, of this chapter. This, this becomes the foundation of this chapter. The fact that the, that the Pharisees and the scribes murmured. Jesus Christ goes on to show them that they're wrong. He spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Let's start with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, 
the opportunity you give us to be in your house and to come together and to, uh, to dig into your word and to see uh, what you have for us to learn tonight. Lord, uh, only you can show us your word, Lord. Only you can reveal it to us. Uh, your spirit uh, is... Uh, is ever looking to uh, draw us closer to you and just and just um, have a relationship that uh, that is amazing that includes peace and joy as we as we trust you, Lord. I pray that you would just help us tonight to learn and to and to soak in the things that you have for us, Lord. And I pray that you would just speak through me. Uh, and I pray all these things in your name, Amen. The the three parables that he gives here are not unknown. So, uh, Pastor mentioned this morning, we don't, we're not preaching anything new, right? There's, there's nothing new. The Bible is the same Bible. We're not, there are people out there that are changing it for the purpose of gaining a bigger audience or something like that. But there's nothing new here. This is nothing we haven't read. I'm, I'm not preaching some, a, a new passage to you. But I just want to uh, point out this, the, 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 the connection he has among these three things here tonight. So he, he brings this parable of the lost sheep. The Bible very often refers to humans, to us, as sheep, right? Uh, there's, there's a couple of passages actually in, uh, in Psalms. Uh, in Psalm uh, 100 and verse 3, uh, in fact, is, uh, is a perfect passage to just, uh, the psalmist brings this word pictures to us that sort of help us to understand. He's, and we all know Psalm 100, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye, Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We, we are the sheep of his pasture. He compares us with sheep. So in many ways... We find ourselves like sheep. We need a lot of protection. We uh, wander pretty easily. We um, are weak in, in, in sticking with the things that the, the Bible has given us. We, we, have, we have the Bible here, and if we just followed it, as a Christian, peace and joy is automatic. And yet we find it so hard. We find it so difficult to stick with it. We, we, when we have victory, we see the victory, and we, we rejoice in the victory. And then it goes away. We're in a valley again, and we can't figure out why we're struggling with something. And we don't think to ask him for help. And then finally someone reminds us, or, or, or we get back into our Bible, and we remember, oh, yeah, I wasn't exactly seeking God. And then there's the peace and the joy on the mountaintop again. We're just like sheep in so many ways. And yet... He compares us to this to this this uh, shepherd. And if you could if you could picture yourself, I, I've never been a shepherd. I, has anybody here ever been ever owned sheep? Even I, I've never owned sheep. Well, I guess I'm not the only one here. So uh, she, I, I know very little about sheep. But one thing I do know is that um, at least in in the, in modern day in sheep, you can't just leave them out there, right? They I, they what are sheep going to fight with? 
They have nothing. <laughs> they, I mean, they don't have claws. Uh, they don't have. They don't even have a loud roar. They ha- they don't have anything. They're they're weak, right? And so he talks about these 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 hundred sheep. If you have a hundred sheep, picture yourself as a shepherd. You've got a hundred sheep, and you turn around and you're counting again. Wait a second. How come I'm counting ninety nine? You count it. You count it. You count it. I've counted it five times. I'm counting ninety nine. Where's that sheep? There's a sheep missing. And in this case, we know that God's. God didn't lose track of us, right? This parable, it's just a parable. So we know that God did not lose track of us. The sheep wandered away, right? We sometimes wander. It wasn't for God's lack of being a good shepherd that that sheep was lost. And yet, that sheep was lost. Sheep wandered away. How then would you just say, well, you know what? I've got 99% of my sheep here. I'm going to call that a good day. We might. We might say, you know what? There's a storm out there. I can't, I can't risk going out into a storm to try to go after one sheep. I've got 99 sheep here to take care of. I still need to take care of these 99. I, I, I can't give up one. We're going to lose the one for the, for, for, the, for the crowd, right? And yet he says, if that's your sheep, you're going to say, I'm missing a sheep. I'm going to find that sheep. I'm going to expend all of my energy to find that sheep. I'm going to go over these hills and mountains, and I'm going to find that sheep. And it doesn't matter what it takes. And so you picture this shepherd wandering up and down hills, and he finds that sheep. And he says, and he points, Jesus is pointing out, when he finds it, the shepherd finds it, he lays it on his shoulders because he's got to get that sheep back and... Well, the sheep's probably just not going to follow him. He's probably going to wander away. So he grabs the sheep and he puts it on his shoulders and he carries that sheep back. And that sheep gets back to the fold and he puts it in with all the other 99. And now he's got all of his 100 sheep and now he's rejoicing. And you say, wait, wait, wait a second. He's probably tired. He just went and got the sheep. If, I mean, if I'm picturing myself. I'm, I'm, I'm wandering and I finally find the sheep and I'm frustrated and I'm saying, why did you wander away? It's fine. We're back. We're back in the sheepfold. No, no, no. He's rejoicing. He's telling his neighbors. His, he's saying, come rejoice with me. There's a sheep that was lost, and now I have it. And, and I'm picturing his neighbors thinking, okay, you got your sheep. Good for you. But no, no, no. He says there's rejoicing in heaven when one sinner accepts Christ. One. Do you think that in all of the church services that happen today... Around the world, in Australia, that today was, is Monday. So all, this, all the church services around this entire world that have happened today was one sheep brought back to the master. Someone, someone got saved in the church service, probably today somewhere. And in, there was rejoicing in heaven because one sheep, one sheep that wandered away on his own, wasn't the master, one sheep wandered away. But came, but came back and, and accepted Christ as their Savior. And there's rejoicing. It's an amazing thing. And he, he doesn't say that. And so, you know, he scolded him and went back to work, right? There was rejoicing. There's, this, this, is a, this is a big impact. So we, we have a sheep. I'm going to read this real quick. I found this 
fascinating. This is a D.L. Moody uh, story from D.L. Moody. He said, uh, says, uh, he told a story of his own conversion this way. He says, uh, quote from D.L. Moody, when I was in Boston, I used to attend a Sunday school class. And one day I recollect my teacher came around behind the counter of the shop I was at work in and put his hand on my, upon my shoulder and talked to me about Christ and my soul. I had not felt that I had a soul till then. I said to myself, this is a very strange thing. Here's a man who never saw me till lately, and he is weeping over my sins, and I never shed a tear about them. But I understand it now, and I know what it is to have a person, uh, have a passion for men's souls and weep over their sins. I don't remember what he said, but I can still feel the power of that man's hand on my shoulder tonight. The concern and tears of a godly teacher resulted in the conversion of a man who saw a million souls saved in his evangelistic campaigns. You don't know. You don't know that that kid in your Sunday school class that you've never seen before today might become that next person. You don't, we don't know that. But it's not our job to know. It's our job to know that that person may not be saved. And then they need to know who, who Christ is. And whether they, whether they get, you know, die of cancer in two years, that's up to God. What happens to them the rest of their life, if, they're, if they have a live a long life or they live a short life, that's up to God. But, but we know that they need, they need to be saved. And, and to be honest, on reading that, I thought, sometimes we struggle with even weeping over our own sin, much less over someone else's. You know, the, we ought to have such a passion for, the, for these people that know nothing about him, that know, there, there's people all around us. I mean, we're, we're going to go to Australia, and there's, of course, people there that don't know, know Christ. But there are people all around us here that don't know who Christ is and don't know how to be saved, have never heard of him. Maybe you've heard his name in a swear word at best. They know nothing about who he is. There are people around us that don't know, and they just, they just need to be told. And it sounds like... There are a lot of people that go soul winning. If you've done that, I imagine it's, a, it's similar to, to my experience. There's a lot of slam doors. There's a lot of people that won't want to have anything to do with it. But, you know, the, the prophet Ezekiel was told, God told him, that's, that's on them. They'll die in their sin. But if I told you to tell them and you didn't, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang that on you as well. So God gives us that responsibility to share that with them. He gives us this, uh, this passion for, for souls. So we have the lost sheep. We have, we have the secondly, the lost coin. Let's look at verse 8. Luke 15 and verse 8. Either, either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it? And when she hath found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which I lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And once again... I, I'm sure everybody here has lost something at some point that was important to them. I tell you what, if you ever come to the point where you can't find your keys or your cell phone, I, we're in a day where you just can't live without a cell phone, I think. Uh, you can't find that thing. Uh, what, uh, what is it? They have a tile now, I think is what it's called. They have a bunch of different uh, things like that where you can, you can attach them to each other and you know, see so your keys. So as long as you have either your keys or your cell phone, you're going to find the other one, right? That's the goal, right? Uh, the reason why that company exists is because people lose things, <laughs> right? That's the entire purpose. Um, and yet we lose things. And if you're like me, some days it just seemed like, can't find anything. 
and you spend so much, if it's your keys, I can't even leave. I, I, I need to go. I'm late. And I can't even find my keys right now. Where's my keys? And you're looking frantically. That's how this woman is. She lost a coin that was very important to her. And by the way, if you look at it here, regardless of the value of that coin, it's 10% of what she has. 10% of what she has is gone. If you lost 10% of, every, of, of the money that was in your savings account, would you be looking for it? I would be. You don't just say, well, you know what? I guess I just lost 10% of all my assets. Like it's, that's, that's, not, that's not okay. So you look for it. And, and, and maybe frantically. It was here. It couldn't have gone anywhere. I didn't leave the house with it. It has to be here. How is it that I've looked over this entire house and it's not here? And yet she sweeps the house. It's spring cleaning time. She's going to find that thing. She finds that coin. And now she's rejoicing with her friends. She tells her neighbors, you've got to rejoice with me. I found my coin. Once again, it's one of those pictures where I'm thinking, okay. I mean, it's a good day for you. It's, you know, not... I'm glad you found it. I, I didn't want you to be missing your coin, right? But yet, Jesus is putting this in perspective of a soul. A soul that, that, that is lost. I mean, it doesn't matter what percentage of a single soul that's lost is worth far more than a coin or a tenth of your income or 90% of your income. One soul is worth way more than that. And there was rejoicing among the angels in heaven over one soul. The, uh, there was a notorious, I, I had not heard of him until recently, there was a, there was a notorious criminal in England, uh, a guy by the name of Charles Pierce in the uh, 19th century. He was executed on February 25th, 1879. He said, uh, just before his, uh, his execution, an Anglican minister half-heartedly read to him the consolations of religion. Uh, some of you may know what that is. Um, anyway, he says, it, it quoted here, it says, Those who die without Christ experience hell, which is the pain of forever dying without the release of death itself, uh, without the release that death itself can bring, which we can't imagine. We don't, we don't understand what that is. We're, we're human minds, and we're, we're not at a point to be able to understand that. But, but dying without ever dying, being in such torment, it's, it's, un, it's an unbelievable picture. Charles stopped the minister and he said, Sir, if I believed what you and the church of God say that you believe, even if England were covered with broken glass from coast to coast, I would walk over it, if need be, on hands and knees, and think it worthwhile living just to save one soul from an eternal hell like that. This is a criminal that said that. A guy that was not a Christian, didn't claim to be. But he said, if what you're saying is true about hell, and we all know, I, I would assume that everybody here has, has read what the Bible tells us about hell. It's torment beyond possible words. We, we couldn't possibly ex explain it. The Apostle John struggled to explain it in Revelation. And yet, he points out that I would walk over the entirety of England on broken glass to tell one soul if I believed that. We believe that. Would we walk over any period, any space to, to tell someone about that, what we understand about what hell is, to warn them about what's to come if they ignore this message? I am, I am just as guilty as everyone. Sometimes it's like, well, you know what? It's a little wet outside. Maybe, maybe not today. Sometimes 
Sometimes we find excuses. The third one, much more uh, well-known story. We all know the story, uh, commonly referred to as the prodigal son. The prodigal son uh, story starts in verse 11. It says, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. And he divided unto him his living. And we all know the story. He goes and spends it foolishly. He comes to the point where he's got nothing. He has no food. He doesn't know where his next meal is coming from. He's working among swine, which is the abomination of abominations for a Jew. And is accepting of the food that the swine eats. And most of us, I would assume, again, don't understand fully because I have just not been around the pigs enough to know. Uh, but I can't imagine it being very, very nice. I, I don't even want to see what dogs eat most of the time. Uh, what, what, what pigs are willing to eat. And yet he was willing to. And he came to the point where he realized, wait a second. My dad's servants have a way better life than I have right now. I'm going to go back. I'm going to take my chances and see if he will accept me as a servant. If nothing else, I will be better off than I am now. He came crawling back, right? What's interesting is, look in verse... uh, Look in verse uh, 17. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will rise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy servants. And he arose, so he rehearses this in his mind. This is what I'm going to do. I think this will work. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. He was a great way off. His father, his father saw him a great way off. Do you think his father was looking for him? His father wouldn't have seen him a long way off if he hadn't been looking for him. He saw him from a long way away. Well, the picture to me is unless you're in Texas and it's super flat, he, was, he, was, he had to be looking over the hills, maybe. Maybe he went out every night to go see if maybe his son was coming up over the hill. I, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a parable. It's, a, it's just a story. But, but he was, this father was looking. He was desperately looking for this son to come back. And when he comes back, he starts to say, he says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. He doesn't even finish his rehearsed speech. And the father says, to his servants, bring forth the best robe, in verse 22, and put it on him, and put on a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. He's rejoicing because this son returned. This story is not about the son. This story is about the father. This story is about the fact that Jesus Christ is waiting for us to come back to him. He specifically came to earth to spend himself to be tormented to understand what it meant that we couldn't possibly understand and will never possibly understand, hopefully, if you're in this room and you're saved, you won't ever experience the separation from God. We don't, under, we don't understand what that is. And he's, for a period of time, he's, he, he was God and he was separated from God. It's beyond our imagination. 
Those who are in hell will experience it because they, d- they don't accept Jesus Christ and, and his already finished work. But Jesus Christ experienced that separation so that we wouldn't have to. And he stands there seeking us. He's looking for us. He's not just hoping, well, maybe one day they'll return. I don't know. The Holy Spirit is working in hearts. As, as, as you go out and you knock a door, the Holy Spirit might be working in that person's heart. Well, we know the Holy Spirit's working in everybody's heart, but, but the, that person might be open. You don't know. You don't know when the day is going to be that you run into that person who is open and ready, and they're ready to just to, to hear, and, they're, and they've, they've, they've been brought to the point of being on their knees with nothing else to do. They had no hope, and God sent you to that door because you decided to get up and go out today and knock on the door. And God sent you to that door, and he brought you, brought you there, and you knocked on that door, and that person opened that door, and you had the answer for the problem that they couldn't figure out. You just don't know. We, 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 we never know when that is. And sometimes we see all the rejection. We see all these people that say they have no interest in anything about God or they're, or they're in, into Buddhism, which makes zero sense at all, or they're into Hinduism, which maybe makes less sense, or they're into whatever. They're, they're, they're into uh, a religion or no religion at all. They don't want to believe in anything. They just want to live their life and, and, and be void of a God that might tell them what to do. They want to just be they, uh, essentially living an empty life, and they're okay with it. But you don't know when God has, has, has put that last bit of pressure on them and brought them to the point where they need to be to hear that message you brought for them. And they're just ready. You just don't know when that's going to be. And there's, once again, the Bible says, he says, he says he rejoiced. Jesus Christ finishes this statement uh, in uh, verse 31. He says, and he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me. He's talking to his older son that did not go away. And all I have is thine. It was meet that we should make, make merry and be glad. For thy brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Do we make a big deal when someone accepts Christ? Do we say, well, another day. I hope you uh, come to church on Sunday. It's a big deal. There's rejoicing in heaven. It's a big deal. I'm not saying you, you go buy him a cake or anything. I, I, I don't know. I'm, but, but it's a big deal. The angels think it's a big deal. Jesus Christ thinks it's a big deal. There's rejoicing in heaven. It's a big deal when, 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 a, when a sinner is, is, is brought back to Christ. So when we look at what Jesus sought... Jesus sought that, that one sinner that wants to repent and that wants to come back to him. That's what Jesus sought. Everything he spent his life for, the woman at the well, they, his disciples said, Master, you need to come and eat. And he said, no, I don't need food right now. I have something else that's far greater. That's a waste. The food is a waste of my time at this moment. He was, he was using his time to seek the one that was going to then share that same gospel with everybody in the town. And who knows how many were saved that day because, because he spent his time seeking that soul. Jesus sought souls. Are we seeking souls? Pastor. Amen. That was a great message and very timely as well. You see, this year in 2019, 
we want to focus our attention and get our eyes on the Lord and on this concept over here, how can we serve the Lord? If this somehow was our last year on earth, it's all over. Come Christmas or New Year's, you know, in 11 months' time, it's all over. How are we going to serve the Lord? What can we best do to serve the Lord over these next 11 months? Now, you know it, and I know it, that there are some born-again men and women, Christians, they died, they go to heaven, but they have almost no desire to serve the Lord. How they got that way? Well, maybe your guess is as good as mine. But I would think that the greater majority of Christians around the world have some desire to serve the Lord. And we here in this church, we're... We're not perfect by any stretch, and we've got our problems too. But we've got a great Savior, don't we? And we've got a great place, a destination called heaven, don't we? And we've got a great message to share. Aren't you glad you're saved? Aren't you glad that someone talked to you, gave you a gospel tract, invited you to church? Yeah. If you're here tonight and you're saved, you know you're... You're going to heaven. If you died, you're going to be in heaven. Would you raise your hand right now? Well, I think that's everyone. Wow, that's great, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful to be saved? Yeah. And the Lord asks us to help someone else. Now, maybe the thought of sharing the gospel or getting involved is scary. Well, I got news for you. Join the club because it's scary for all Christians. Well, 99.99%, all right? You know the, uh, the parable of the sheep there and the 99 that stayed at home? Well, that kind of, you know, in a very loose way, pictures a lot of Christians. And uh, no, uh, I, I can't do that. I can't share. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. Uh, I, I, I might throw up. You know, I don't want to be the cause of someone, you know, not coming to the Lord, you know, because I say the wrong thing. And the devil puts those thoughts in our head. Problem is, they get in there and they stay, don't they? Year after year. Well, I have a question for you tonight. Serving the Lord for nine, sorry, for 2019, serving the Lord, would you pray about becoming a better soul winner? I'm not asking you to. I'm asking if you would pray about it. Would you pray about it? How many here would pray about being a better soul winner? Can I see your hand? Pray about being a better soul winner. Well, again, I think that was just about all the hands. The shepherd in the first parable sought. He went out and he was looking. He sought that sheep. Would you seek the Lord in prayer about being a soul winner. The, the woman who lost the coin, she, she sought that coin, the one she lost. She moved things, she swept, she looked for it. Would you look to the Lord and seek the Lord and say, Lord, I got to have some help. I'm not as good a soul winner as I want to be. I want to serve you somehow. Lord, help me. Would you seek it? That young man, that parable, that prodigal, he 
came to himself and he decided he needs to seek his father. And would you seek your heavenly father tonight about being a better soul winner? I'm not asking you to. I'm just asking you if you would pray about it. Would you do that? Would you pray? Let's stand to our feet for prayer.